0: Initializing post-playback. Welcome to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. The podcast about all things metal and everything in between. It's episode 46, and we're bringing to your systems the metal you crave, and the metal that makes your grandparents question if you need more Jesus in your life. When will they learn Jesus needs more Metal. I'm so getting Christian cancel after this. Coming up, we get back to APOC in the past, talking that East Coast tour with and Vale. And then we go to the future, or to another galaxy it seems. Industrial duo Augment is coming up on the show. We also got three new albums for the return of our review segment, and later on we'll get real with the problem of AI. It's a hot topic, you gotta milk it while it's curdling. All this and so much more, so let's not waste much more time and let's get into the show. I'm Tom McKay and this is the Metal Robot Podcast. Yes, it's time once again to bring back our review segments. Now, unlike in the last episode, we're not going to actually tackle a, um, what should I call it? Big release? Is that PC to say? I just, here's the thing. I don't have access to some of the more mainstream ones like Avenged, Sevenfold, Slipknot, Korn, and frankly, I don't think I really need to. And in this case, I just felt it'd be easier for me to work with albums, regardless of their audience size, that I actually have in the systems ahead of their release. It just makes things a lot easier for me. But hey, you know what? Size of the audience never matters. At least that's what I try to tell myself. Even better for you, though, you might actually find some hidden gems in these reviews that maybe you didn't know about before or some hidden piles of shit. It really depends on the album. Let's find out where these ones stand. Let's start with the
1: the
0: Necrokinesis of Force Made Flesh. Uh, this one I actually saw in my promos and I was like, okay, let's check this one out. It's coming out today. I'm kind of curious where this is gonna go. and unlike the other ones, which are more requests. Uh, And also, this one, I'm going to spoil it for you right now. This one's a bit more straightforward of a release. We'll get into some more of the weird shit coming up soon. But first, this album, I got to say, right out of the gate, it's a bit of a death thrash kind of album. It is not really that long either. It kind of just goes by pretty quickly. The... Uh, The performances are well put together. The guitars, bass, drums, vocals as well. Not too bad. The vocals are teeth cutting. The drums sound great as well. Performance aside, the production for those drums are really good for this style. The guitars are tight. I will say the bass, it kind of feels like it's a bit buried under the rest of the mix, which kind of does dampen the amount of power given here but honestly aside from that it actually does work pretty well and again the album does go by fairly quickly which is good to hear you don't want your death metal album your death thrash something album to just sit with you for hours and hours on end it does get old after a while this genre does have a tendency to do that so having it go by fairly quickly always good to hear. It doesn't stick around too long, and that's what I like. I will say, though, as a result of that, well, not a result of that, but me enjoying the fact that it goes by so quickly, a lot of it does come from the fact that eh, while the musical ideas are decently good, they're pretty good for what you're going to get here, maybe it's just me, but a lot of the ideas kind of felt uninspired. Like, Is it just me or did listening to this album immediately ring out some uh, reminders of stuff I've already heard a hundred times before? Maybe that is just me. I don't know. But listening to this, I'm like, I've heard that one, heard that riff. That riff was there. That, that feels generic as hell. I've heard these lyrics before. A lot of the ideas here are just so uninspired and that kind of detracts from the rest of the album. It doesn't really add anything to it. It's just something that's, hey, I'm going to make an album. We're going to make an album, a death thrash album. Put it out there. Do we want to change anything else? No. And to be fair, you don't need to. But I feel like you could have put something into this. This kind of feels cookie cutter more than anything else. Like, where's the passion? If you're going to do Death Thrash, put some passion into the music. That's what I would hope for, at least. But instead, I just got a uh, generic no-name brand death metal. It doesn't really work as well as a result. Though... If you are looking for a never-ending assault of death metal mixed with thrash, yeah, you're going to get it here. But I'll be honest, I'm not even sure if if even most death and thrash fans would be remembering this after their first listen. I don't know. It's entirely uh, opinion-based. It's all subjective. I will say for me, it's a 12 out of 15. But if death and thrash is your thing, check it out for yourself. See how it sits with you. Panda Kingdom self title. This was a request from Drip Feed Records, and this is something that I—I <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to describe this. Um, it's okay, all in all, musically speaking, this is an epic mix of styles and genres, a cornucopia of sorts of all the biggest styles and genres out there in the metal world. This has a mix of progressive of symphonic of power metal, death metal in places, that was kind of surprising. It's A fantastic cornucopia, and surprisingly enough, all the styles work well together. I never felt that anything was too jarring. It was interesting to listen to, for sure, and it kind of caught me off guard in a lot of places, but it didn't feel like it didn't belong. Every idea here, from my perspective at least, musically speaking, it worked together extremely well. It was a complex weaving of sorts. And I never felt like it took me out of the experience. And, literally speaking, great world building, too. Like The entire album basically is, uh, in many ways, it's building of this world of the Panda Kingdom. And at no point did I feel like this world meant was missing something. No, it was a fully built world. And I also enjoy the fact that it didn't take itself too seriously either. Not even kidding. This, this entire album, it has more cheese than the panda can realistically handle. But I love it for that reason. It, do- it knows exactly what it is. It's called Panda Kingdom for fuck's sakes. But I will say, if there's anything that I wish was there, an actual story like I said, this has a progressive influence and the concept is there and it's building up this world. Okay, we have characters too. Great. So what's the story? Where is this going to go? And I felt like I I didn't really get that. And at least from my own perspective, I couldn't tell what the story was actually about. Maybe a story came around, maybe around track five. I could be wrong about that. It probably came earlier, but I felt like that's where a story started to kind of form. But that's track five out of seven. That is a bit late to introduce your story. Again, I could be wrong. Maybe it was earlier, but that's where I felt it was coming in and you took a long time to get there. But regardless of where the story was, this is all in all a pretty fantastic album. Musically speaking, this is... How do I describe this for people? Okay, if you are into Dungeons & Dragons, okay? This is if the Dungeon Master was also the Bard. That is the best way to describe this. It's kind of lacking a story all in all, but the world building is great. The music is great. Well performed. 13 out of 15. Seriously, why am I still talking about this? Go pick it up. And finally, I'm going to keep this one a bit shorter here, just to save on time here. Terminal Dusk's Marionette. This was a request from Terminal Dusk as well. And this came out actually not even a recent release. It came out back in mid-June. And hey, a request, I don't give a shit. I'll talk about it here. And I'm glad I got it requested because this all in all was a great mix of dark, scothic, symphonic metal with electronic elements weaved into it. It almost felt like this was Evanescence-inspired, maybe a mix, of and I wish I could be completely wrong about that, but this was a great mix of it, and as somebody who does love himself a bit of Evanescence, yeah, I'm not complaining here. It's a great album. I also love the fact that on this, I say album, it's an EP, I love the fact that it doesn't feature a vocalist Who is going for the full, like, bird singing, the high, super fucking high soprano? Now, I don't actually usually have a problem with that. I know some people cannot stand higher vocals. I know I don't personally have a problem with that. But I feel like with this style, with this gothic symphonic style, that's usually a stereotype at this point. True, this vocalist is still a baronic, but I feel like she's not trying to go to that place and be the stereotypical symphonic metal singer. So, it's not bad to have a super high soprano. I'm just saying here it's a nice change of pace. And given that it is an EP, it's three songs total. Three songs, one of which is a, is a cover, solid, solid cover, or as they call it, a reimagining of John Lennon's Imagine. I can see what they did there. And it goes by fairly quickly. It doesn't feel like it sticks around too long. The songs don't drag forever. It's a great, uh, pretty solid, well-put-together composition. I don't really have... I'm trying to find... Something to critique here, but I'm just enjoying it, all in all. I mean, maybe there's something that I could nitpick on, but I see no point on wasting your time with any nitpicks. All in all, this is not a bad place for the band to be in their career, given that they only started in 2020. This is something pretty solid a first compilation of songs. Keep your ear on the ground for these guys, for what's in store in the future. I'm good for now, 14 out of 15 for Marionette. Whatever they come out with in the future, Terminal Dusk, if you're listening right now, hit me up. I'd love to take a look at what you've got. But of course, after all that, that's my take, that's my opinion, and now, I want to hear from you. you. know what albums I should take a rusty pickaxe to? I mean, take a look at next. Bad albums beware. Request them anytime online, and you can hear your favorites hacked to pieces. I mean, disgust. Discussed right here on the Metal Robot Podcast.
2: You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast.
0: Yeah, we're changing things up a little bit here. Tom McKay of the Metal Robot Podcast. And although this is a metal podcast, I try not to shy too far away from any industrial stuff. Sure, elitists will say it's not metal, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have an edge that even metalheads can appreciate. See, not too long ago, I sat down with an industrial duo called Augment to talk about their latest album, Sequences, and what world they're bringing to their music beyond, well, the music. You see, there's a sci-fi concept world going on with this group. These two don't hail from Earth, the place that we seem to be stuck on. No, they hail from a city called Hexatropolis 2.0 in a star system far off into the Andromeda Galaxy, far away from whatever bullshit we have to deal with here. There's just so fucking much of it. But I'll let them explain what's going on there. Let's sit down with Augment right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. Augment, welcome to the show. We've got Omega Z and Alpha N. It's because somehow these names are just coming out of thin air here. I love it. How are you guys doing today?
3: I'm doing pretty good. Now that things seem to be working for now, not to jinx it. Yeah. That, doing great. <laughs> way, way, to, way
1: to go, Zach.
0: Yeah. F- <laughs> oh, well. f- fingers crossed we don't have any more, any more crashing going on. Otherwise, I'll just blame the robot. Uh, so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to start off with what I'd like to do, especially with uh, new bands, new projects that come onto the show, is I like to allow them to introduce themselves, who they are, and uh, – In this case, I guess, what time period they're from. Uh, You guys have the floor on this one.
1: Oh, have we decided on a year? (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, we
3: decided on a star system. So we are a planet in the um, Alpha Centauri system. And we exist in a city called Hexatropolis 2.0. The 2.0 being the point from the Cataclysm, which was the original version of the city. So this is the second iteration of it. And I'm Omega Z. I am an aftermarket's uh biotech street dealer. And <laughs> that's
1: how I met uh Alpha N over there. That's right. Uh I came from the corporate world. I was a corpo back in my uh my youth and I uh decided to rebel and break away. Uh I usually have my augment on and I don't I don't have it at the moment, but it allows me to uh you know uh, be a better programmer and see see through the code. If you know what I mean,
0: see so, through the code. The code right. between the code.
1: Code between the code.
0: <laughs> now, even though even though you guys are from a completely different star system, it seems that you guys do have at least some uh, some knowledge of. The music we have going on here. So uh, aside from the uh, way the uh, EBM, industrial, trap, um, what other like what? Can you name any specific artists or bands that you consider influences for the sound?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of what the uh, Earthicans call the '90s, and so I grew <laughs> up with a lot. <laughs> I grew up with a lot of um, Radiohead, Tool um muse uh, that sort of thing and then I started getting more into uh kind of the the human beat boops which is dance music to to a lot of people uh and so um I feel like that was like a big influence for me and some some of the things that I like bringing to the table as far as augment goes uh, so you'll hear a lot of those elements in what I'm doing um, and then omega z can talk about his
2: influences yeah um
3: For me, it was using uh, highly illegal technology to intercept transmissions from Earth. And um, I am, you know, a lyricist, first and foremost, in a lot of senses. So I was really heavily influenced by a lot of, I guess, what I think like the kind of like the poetry story tellers, like uh, from Johnny Cash to Tom Waits, Raymond Watts, Jim Thurwell. And so I was really influenced by Leonard Cohen. they the way that they were able to tell a story, um, that really kind of sunk its teeth into that was always really important to me. And musically is like all over the place from yeah, from Tom Waits or stuff like Gunship, or recently really heavily getting into a lot of trap. I think that's actually some of the rawest music out there, like Estasha or corpse, or there's some really just heavy stuff that uh it's dirty, too, which I love. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and in many ways, that like the dirty raw sound, it, it's in many ways uh, overlaps as well with the metal genre. I mean, I, for those who for somehow stumbled upon this podcast and don't know, welcome. This is a uh, metal podcast. And uh, that's something that I, I think is really important uh, to uh, to talk about here is like, was there any metal influence as well in the music? Or is it just the raw, dirty sound uh, from the stuff that you listen to?
1: Um, I, I, yeah. I think a lot of it is, is the sound of it. it's the emotion that it brings. It's not so much being a metal, right. Cause we don't have a lot of riffing, right. Which is typical in, in the metal genre, but there's a lot of the sensibilities and just even the guitar tone. Like we're trying to go for that heavy rock with a lot of weight. Um, and even when there aren't any guitars in it, you can really feel the weight of like the distorted bass sounds and and, and since and things like that. And even the, the drum beats, like some of them get pretty, I wouldn't say metal, but they get, they get pretty rock.
0: They get, sometimes. they get crushing. I, I know it a lot yeah. of places. I remember I was listening to this new, to this, uh, uh, this new album coming out. Uh, and I was listening to the song, human skin and absolutely l- losing my fucking mind with how <laughs> la- with how crushing okay, it you. was. I didn't yeah. even have the volume all the way up. And I was going, Oh my God. It was like, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was melting my goddamn face off um and i, I th- and i think yeah, would you yeah no problem i mean oh, but with that kind of aspect do you think that that's something that maybe people who are a bit of a bit electronic hesitant do you think that's something that you could get metal heads who are of that mindset into into the music and give augmented chance
3: um i mean and that's kind of the fun of music is that breaching genres and hoping that you can, in some way, not just limit yourself as a musician or, or whatever, but also to kind of bridge the gap of of genres. Like, hey, if you're a metalhead, and I, my other project is an industrial metal project. So I do have like a, a pretty heavy metal influence. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some sprinkling, uh, in that machine rock, that metal industrial But hey, it's okay to like metal. It's okay to like synthwave. It's okay to like trap. It's okay, you know, like if you open your mind up to just kind of having fun with the experience of listening to music, that I think you'll just be able to experience a lot more. And we're hoping that throwing in those elements of like, you know, a heavy riff on top of some, you know, synth wavy breakdown on top of a trap beat that hopefully we can kind of bring
1: people together because really music should bring people together.
0: Yeah, I agree on that.
1: And, and a, a big thing, and this is something that we've we've talked about uh, previously in previous interviews, is, you know, when when we're talking about making music like as an artist, one of the big things is, pulling from your influences and putting together a little bit of each influence and trying to come up with your own sound cuz it's very easy to to get lazy and say like okay well I'm going to make this one genre but but as an artist like you know there are certain pieces of each genre that we really like and so we we're trying to blend those things together where we have that heavy sound with the trap elements with some of that EBM or EDM and there's even like some trancey elements to some of our stuff and it just works really well I think you know and I think that's part of the fun of being a musician is Taking all these little things and and piecing it together, you
0: know. Yeah, hundred percent, and uh, that's one of the big things. Even metalheads, yeah, metalheads do that all the time. I mean, that's even one of the one of the big things that I always look for is like, what are they bringing to the table? Is it something new, something interesting? And I'm glad that you guys actually bring a lot of that into the music. I I've heard similar styles with um with augment before, but never in this sort of like crushing form, which does present itself quite a bit in this new album, Sequences, which uh, by the time this episode comes up, it might already be out, it might not be, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But when it comes to uh, this album, you know, uh, the promo uh, for it even reads, quote, that you explore Huckley Gibson-esque concepts of mind control, totalitarianism, transhumanism, and societal collapse, which... It seems to be what happened before two point Hexatropolis 2.0. So what? Ins- so maybe I'm breaking the fourth wall here a little bit, but what inspired the concept of Hexatropolis 2.0? And how did you create the city and its dystopian themes
3: um, is definitely a reflection of a lot of what we're just can just turn on the news and see, you know, we see a lot of totalitarianism, a lot of collapse of society the idea of big brother. I mean, and you know, Brave New World, 1984. I I mean, I know they're like sci-fi tropes, but they are timeless in their poignancy. And, you know, to draw from the world around you and then kind of throw this theme at it. Um, And and it allows you to tell, like spin a story and build a world, a universe, off of very relevant themes that affect all of us today, but then you throw it into this kind of fantastical world. And in a way it can help you almost associate but disassociate at the the same time.
0: Okay, let's hit the pause button for now. We'll pick up with these two mad lads in the next episode, hoping, of course, that we can still get that connection to Andromeda. See, if Elon Musk wasn't busy making poor Twitter X decisions, he would have already built better satellites to reach them without crashing the connection. I'm just saying. But anyways, in the meantime, you can check out Augment's new album, Sequences. It is out now wherever you get your music. Just search them up wherever, and you'll be able to find it. That's Augment with a V instead of a U, and just get rid of the E, because, well... I guess Andromeda? That's something that they're doing there? I don't fucking know. Don't go anywhere. We go back in time once again to chat with APOC before they went off to their tour. But before we get to that, we start talking AI, and if it has a place in music, my response to that might actually surprise you. But first, let's hear from you. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. We'll be right back. 15 Plus Artists Multiple cultures. Multiple languages. One. Almost unpronounceable name. Homoioisios. Hoi moi mother. What the fuck does it say? It's pronounced Homi How? There's 20 O's! It's Latin. What'd you expect? The ultimate collaboration project of 2022. Homi A symphonic death, blackened, thrashing, grooving core fest. What genres! Ever wanted to take Metal Robot interviews on the go, but had this happen? Ted, I charged this last night, for fuck's sake! <laughs> Well we can't solve a bad phone battery. You can take the interviews you love with you wherever on MRP Throwbacks. Be sure to hit save for when you want this on your evening drive to the venue.
2: I'm just a troll. Like I just I just don't give a crap. Can I say that?
0: Uh, honestly, I've been saying fuck this entire time, so uh-huh. by all means. MRP Throwbacks. Only on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple
2: Podcasts. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast.
0: AI is on the mind today. Welcome back to the Metal Robot Podcast. I'm your host, Tom McKay. Artificial intelligence. We know it's here. It's been talked about quite a bit, actually. Uh, and more specifically with this discussion, I actually wanted to talk about generative AI, generative artificial intelligence, stuff like uh, open AI, so chat GPT, um, And all those kinds of places. Right now, there's been a lot of people talking about the bad of AI. Of course, first thing that comes to mind right now, the ongoing writers and actors strike uh, that has been going on, a lot of it because of the fact that AI is becoming so prominent and becoming a big tool that a lot of the, the big budget studios want to use in lieu of paying human beings. Now, to be clear before going forward. I actually support the writers and actors strike. I see no reason that these big budget studios can afford to hire writers and actors. I get it. Times are changing and AI is becoming a lot better as time goes on. But put aside the fucking egos for a moment. Pay those people. Those people can write and act way better than any sort of technology that's coming out right now. And it's unethical to really go for that technology in the first place as a result of the fact that these writers and actors can do it better and should be doing it. So for studios, I I think it's absolutely stupid for you to switch out to AI over your actors and writers. And in that vein, I actually think that this is a similar sentiment towards record labels. Because bringing you over to music, I mean, this is a music podcast after all, music needs the human element. Though, to be fair to record labels, I think even they realize that, yes, a lot of record labels are very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mainstream kind of, uh, I'm trying to find conveyor belt kind of mentality of just pump the music. They don't treat it as music. They treat it as a product. And yeah, sure. There's that mentality. But I think even they understand that once you make it too robotic, people don't connect with it as well. Even in the pop world. Yes. Pop is very electronic. It's so perfected, but they understand there are still the listeners still understand. There's a human behind it all. And so, with that in mind, does AI actually have a place in music of any kind? And does it have a place in metal? Does it it belong there? And will we see it be used in song creation? Generative AI is a massively powerful tool that can create things now. And people are using it to create things. And bit of a hot take here. I think there is a place for it in music as a tool. Now, when I say that, I am not saying that people should be using it to write music in full as a sort of cheat to becoming a musician. What instrument do you play? I play the AI, I play the computer. Like, that, that doesn't really work as well. Like, yeah, okay, I will say this. I think a lot of people kind of misinterpret what AI actually is and what it is used for. People think that it's so easy to just uh, you can put like you can put together a small little thing, a creation in like a couple hours using AI tools. I saw someone actually getting criticized for that recently, a YouTuber, Austin McConnell. He used AI for one of his videos, a 50-minute long video. People called him on that said, it's just, why go for that when you, like, you could just create it in a couple hours and boom, there's your video. That's cheating. That's unethical. And then he had to explain, you don't really know how AI works, do you? Because no, you can't make it in a couple hours. And Even when I heard that the first time, I didn't need to wait for him to explain the nuance of using AI and having to generate multiple different responses and multiple different things to get uh, anything cohesive and at all decent because I'm literally a video maker. I'm a podcaster. I know I've used these tools before as well. It takes so long, so many different prompts, and so many different tweaking to even get anything decent. And even then, you've still got to have the human element involved. It does not work on its own. Humans, at least in this point of time, at the time of recording this, require human intervention to get anywhere close to a decent result. So yeah, a couple hours, no. But It does make the process go by faster, and it does make things that maybe the person generating it couldn't do in the first place. Take, for example, uh, I feel like there's something similar here to auto-tune from back in the day. Auto-tune and pitch correction, it's something that, in metal especially, we cannot fucking stand, we don't like the use of auto-tune. At least that's what we tell ourselves. And a lot of old-school metalheads especially do not like the use of auto-tune. Because it's used not really for what it's supposed to be used for, in my opinion, and that that is. Because auto-tune and pitch correction, the big argument against it is that it fakes a singer. And I agree with that. You don't need to do multiple takes to get something decent. You just gotta, eh, hey, let's do a shitty one take and then we can fix it in post. It'll it'll fix itself in post. That is not the way to use it. It's actually just to make an already pretty great performance even better. And I think that's something that a lot of people lost on this. And even with generative AI, yes, sure, you could probably use it to just fake a performance fake up, uh, fake a song, put it together using AI. They do all, the, it does all the work, the algorithm, the code does all the work, and then you'd pass it off as your own. But that is not really what it could be used for. Because for example, generative AI, I know there's some software out there that can actually create riffs. Now, whether or not you use those riffs is beyond that point, but you can actually use that as inspiration For writing something else, I'll give you an example. When it comes to generative AI, I've used it before. I used a Chat GPT, and I've used it to come up with interview questions. I'm not going to say which interviews I've done this for, but I've been using it, and using that as the ground basis to get started with creating the script, creating the questions for the interview itself. Now, I don't use what the AI has generated, but it gives me ideas to go off of. Say, for example, I just type in a prompt, give me some unique interview questions for so-and-so based on this bio, and it gives it to me, but then I see some questions in there. Eh, some of them, no, they don't work. Get rid of it. Some of them, ooh, that gives me an idea to ask a follow-up for or ask a more nuanced question. And around this time, I'm also doing research to to, to to come up with more unique questions based on previous interviews that they've done. You see, there's an entire process there. And that, while maybe that's not the gold standard, I think that's a good place to really look at this kind of thing and go, yeah. You know, it's a good tool, maybe not a and an end all be all, but it's a good tool to look at. Uh, Or even maybe if you want to go even further for music, you can even use it to say, I'm going to get a bit of controversy here, generate a voice or sound effect that you can use for your music. Uh, Yes, voice AI technology isn't quite there yet. You can't make it sound super realistic, but if you work with it long enough, you can get something that works. Now. Some of the astute among you might've just heard that and questioned, why not just hire a singer instead? You know, if you want a voice for your music, hire a singer. It doesn't even have to be for the full song. If you're not, if you don't need to hire somebody to do the lead vocals, if you just want something in the background. Well, to that, I say, with what money, you know what I mean? Like any artist listening right now knows that making music costs a lot of money. Now for uh, to go on a bit of a tangent here, like even with my own debut EP called the Demon Sultan, that costs quite a bit of money to put together. I'm working on a video right now, actually talking about the money that was spent going into that EP. And I'll, and spoiler right now, before I even get into making it, I promise you, it wasn't cheap. And especially in this economy, people can't really afford a lot, and especially not to do it the quote-unquote right way. Like, where does the money go? And how much can you actually afford? That is something that a lot of musicians have to really think about. And a lot of the time, Where's that money going to go? I'll tell you where it's going to go. It's going to go into mixing. It's going to go into mastering, promotion, merch, CDs, equipment for your for your musical instruments. Maybe even a recording studio. If you're doing it like that, you don't have to. But again, if you don't have the right stuff at home or don't have any good stuff, going to studio might actually be the better option. So all of a sudden, the, there's no money left to try to get more people involved. And that's kind of a problem. And even then, it's like, well, sure, like maybe it's unethical to use voice AI technology to create a voice for your sound. But are we really going to make that the hill we'll die on while we're also using VSTs already, plugins, or even generative AI software anyways to create the sound. I mean literally many musicians use plugins like uh like get good drums or other drum packs. Uh like Tune Drums I think is not is that actually the name Tune Drums? I think I, I do only have anything up in front of me but or even uh Eurobase. I use Eurobase in my in my projects is it definitely requires me to not have to worry about hiring a bassist or a drummer. Where is the line? And even some other tools out there, they can generate uh, using MIDI guitar sounds. It won't sound as realistic, but you, again, work with it enough, you'll get something decently realistic. Where are we drawing the line here? I mean, if you think about it, we're already using AI in in our music creation. It's just that we still have a human element involved. And I think that's kind of the point. If I were to say for my next release have something in there that uses generative AI to create a voice, right? Something that is more like a backing vocal or a side vocal, a feature of some sorts, using licensable voices, not taking a voice from somebody else who did not consent to it, and using that as, the, as a, a part of the song. Now, I may not be using an actual person, but it's not like I'm not writing that voice. It's not like I'm not writing that singing. Is that unethical? Especially since now, again, I want to go back to the writers and actors strike. That obviously is egregious. But the big difference here between the two is like, why is it okay if I or somebody else uses it and the big studios can't? Because they have a bottomless budget. And we don't. Musicians don't have a bottomless budget, and I think that's where the line really comes down, the economic factor here. Yes, it would be way more ethical to hire an actual singer, and I guarantee you, many people will agree, if they have the money, they'll go for it. But I think you need to set your expectations a bit more realistically here. It is whether we like it or not. Using certain AI tools is much cheaper. Look, regardless of whether you're on the anti-AI or the pro-AI side, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle here, but regardless of where you stand, there is something we need to establish here, and that is where the line is. Where we need to draw this line between doing it the quote-unquote right way or doing it in this case, the economic way. And I think that's a discussion that we definitely need to have here. I know where I stand on this, but I kind of do want to hear from you on this. I kind of want to hear what you have to think. Do you think AI, specifically generative AI, is something we do need to worry about for the future of music creation? Or do you think, much like VSTs, much like, God, don't, God help me, autotune, It'll just become another tool that we use, another tool in our toolkit. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you on this one. And finally, let's check back with APOC, or an earlier version of APOC. You see, earlier this year, the band went out on tour with Carrion Vale across Eastern Canada, but before they left, I sat down with their vocalist and fretless bassist Brett McIntosh to talk about what was going through their heads before the tour kicked off. You see, the plan was to release the interview before they left, but that didn't happen, so instead, this serves as a sort of historic archive of sorts to see where the band was at that point so let's keep that conversation going this is a part two on the metal robot podcast one of the things that also was mentioned this is the first official tour that you've been that you're doing since 2019 of course there were shows here and there i know i know for a fact that's where i got this shirt actually uh you performed yeah yeah, you performed uh with luthero and duskwalker i believe duskwalker was there in hamilton Um mm-hmm. at, at the Epson. So this isn't the first the first show that you've performed since 2019, but this is the first tour. So yeah. what how does it feel to get back on the road after such a long time?
2: It feels good. We're kind of just uh re-greasing the or so to speak, because um excuse me. Um we are heavily working on new material right now. I don't really wanna say for sure if we're going to play any new material it's, it's probably going to be something new to be heard but there's also like we've kind of rewritten a couple old songs and we we're hoping to record those and stuff like that but i don't know we're we're very busy right now so we're we're trying to make things happen who knows if we'll uh get these new versions re-recorded before the tour it's going to happen sometime uh in the first in the next few months for sure but um Sorry, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> How
0: does it feel to be back on the road uh, since 2019? Okay, yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, we're pretty much planning we're we're planning on doing something much on a much bigger scale after the next episode. And this is kind of just to re-grease the cog and keep us relevant in the meantime. Um, our two guitar players they don't really have as much touring experience as Greg and I. And it's it's been a while for both of us too. So yeah, we're just trying to start out with something that's Two weeks is pretty decent, but it's not, uh, you know, we get week and a half, I guess it's pretty decent, but it's not like mm, our friends are going to the States and stuff. We're not quite, it's a very expensive venture to do stuff like that too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I, I've got to buy a new van for the next tour and all this, like we're renting a van for this tour. Uh, but I used to own a van. Unfortunately, it dies. So I'll be buying a new van. I have a big driveway, so we'll just park there, work on it slowly. And whenever the next album is out, like, release, release, we'll do a proper like tour. And we're going to make sure we get our visas, and actually go to the States, and do something legit.
0: Well, I'm sure the States can't wait for that one. Um so- can yeah. So, uh, so you mentioned that there's, uh, that there's some new music possibly coming, but of course, uh, like the last thing that you put out was, um, uh, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced he uh, which was like the EP from 20, from 2021. Um, so, uh, let's talk a bit about that as well. Uh, since that, that one is still like that, that one's like the most recent thing that was actually put out. What was the writing yeah. process like, uh, for, for he and are you implementing anything, Similar, or are you trying something new with with the stuff that's not released yet?
2: Um, I'm going to say, for the most part, something new. But no, the writing process for that was kind of unique. So um, our former guitar player, Marcus, he he was very involved with the writing process of that. (coughs) Uh, Mark entirely wrote um, first two, uh, no, sorry, first song, the third and fourth song. And we just kind of added little attributes. Then I wrote like the bass licks and stuff, and Nick wrote his guitar leads. But Mark wrote and arranged those three songs completely. And then the second and fifth song I wrote and arranged. The second song I had a little bit of help uh, from my our former bandmate Taylor, which he's credited. But it's pretty much solo. It wasn't a very collaborative EP. We just kind of uh, we just picked a couple songs that we thought worked. And then I kind of just wrote lyrics over them. And, uh, this, this new process is the most collaborative the band has ever been. It's honestly, it's magic right now. What's happening in the band, um, without getting too in depth in everyone's personal lives. Sometimes, um, sometimes when you're going through things, it can bring like art out of, uh, Out of your, uh, out of your outlet, right? You just need something to. to I could
0: I could have sworn you're about to go right out of your ass, but yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) art comes right out (laughs) of the ass and right right into the page.
2: (laughs) Can't stop it. (laughs) So we've been we've been writing a lot lately. Not only are we demoing, but we're also just like really inspired. Like every time we get together lately, it's been more collaborative than ever before, which is really awesome.
0: And, uh, which, which process do you think was more efficient or do you think was more fun? Do you think it's this current one where it's more collaborative or where it was, uh, not as collaborative?
2: I think, uh, the more collaborative process is definitely funner, And I know for a fact that Greg agrees with that cause he's voiced that several times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure Nick and Ben enjoy it. Now, there's there's lots of times where you can write a great song like solo when you isolate yourself. And there's a few songs on our upcoming album that are pretty much solo efforts. Um, but most of the other songs that I've written, they're gonna there's gonna be like plenty of room for editing and all that stuff from the other guys, like the inputs. <laughs> Excuse me, but uh, no, I find it more fun and more organic. Uh when you when you write and us uh, so a lot of our best songs have been written that way. Like in the past, some of our best songs that have been written in jam format were uh like well going way, way back, Ben and I wrote Plummet, um just jamming one-on-one in like three hours. Um and then Tabula Rasa was written that way with Bobby, Chris, Greg, and I all this jamming. Um I don't know. There's a, there's a few others that are like that, but I uh, Delirium. Delirium was just, Bobby was just jamming riffs and then we just jammed over top and that's like our, our probably our most popular song. <coughs> so stuff like that, but then, yeah, you can write, you can write a really good song if you just isolate yourself too. But I, I find those songs are the harder songs, which sometimes they're really awesome to listen to. They're not really as fun to play. <laughs>
0: right, yeah. <laughs> for,
2: for being honest. And like I gotta multitask, like I gotta do multiple and play the bass. So I'd rather do what's fun and what the audience still loves than than like torture myself.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely in the songwriting process, there's a place for either of either writing styles. There's times for jamming, times for just getting shit on the page and working with it from there. And then there's times where you literally sit down as if you're the tortured writer. Just sit down and write to your heart's content. Both work. But yeah, I think there's definitely there's there's pros and cons to both. And absolutely.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree.
0: Each each individual will always decide at that point, you know, which one's more fun? Do I want to be an intense thought or do I want to just fuck around on my instrument?
2: I think what we've kind of agreed on doing as a band this time is even the songs that, uh, that I, yeah, it's pretty much just me that I've like written like painstakingly on my own. Maybe there's a couple from Nick too we're going to kind of hash them out in a jam format. And then like, if there's parts that don't work, then those are going to be worked on that and there. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be, I think a little bit more of an organic process from here on out, just because, um, I don't know. Uh, in the past, I don't, it, there's, it's been a combination of, uh, distance living situations, uh, schedules, all sorts of things. And just people, Maybe they just didn't gel as well, but Nick and Ben, they really, really gel. Uh, they get along really well. and These guys put a lot of effort into writing as two guitar players. And for a band that's been around for 10 years, that's something that APOC has never really had. It's always been me or me and another guitar player, or like some guitar player writing a song. So um, the fact that we now have two guitar players collaborating is magic like this is something this band has always needed
0: absolutely and uh because and because a lot some of the writing process for some of your songs are so jammy how does that translate into a live performance is there a difference between what's recorded and what you perform live
2: um well for the for the future material i think it's going to be more more exact but like for what's currently going on. Yeah. There's, there's, there's differences like in the past, because we've had so many lineup changes the guitarists, you know, they they play a lot of, there's like a lot of Liberty in the solos, but they still play like books. Um, but like I said earlier, there's a couple songs like rewritten, mm-hmm. um, like specifically, uh, our song overwrought, uh, which is a short song to begin with. um, we've kept most of it the same wherever there's lyrics. But after that, we've extended the song quite a bit. We added a guitar solo, which was never there. Uh, or two guitar solos. We had two guitars. like both of the guys have a guitar solo in that song now. So mm-hmm. yeah. So just, just things like that. So it's again, a little bit more jammy. that type of thing happened because of the jam atmosphere, because of the, the new, um, the new, uh, Chemistry that the band is getting all together.
0: And was there a time when you were on stage and you and you, you as a collective band just decided, "Fuck it, we'll improvise something to to add to this song"? Has it ever happened, or was it always like uh, practiced and planned ahead of time?
2: Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's happened, just not recently. I think back when Kyle Deasy was in the band, uh, Kyle now plays in Invicta, like Tristan. Um, so between 2015 and late 2018, he was in the band. Um, him and him and Bobby had pretty good chemistry too. And then when Bobby quit, Taylor joined. Um, who helped me write the one song on the CP that I referred to. We've had a lot of guitar players. but They're all still our friends. They, these guys, they they join and then they like they they start writing, but they realize, oh, I want to like write for my own band, so they quit for their own band. This has happened like time and time again, <laughs> but at least we're still friends. with the ball.
0: There you go. Exactly. So, uh, as, so as you mentioned, like you, like you are, you guys are a bit rusty on tour and some of, and a couple of members as well have, or don't have as much touring experience. So before going on, uh, awakening, uh, awakening abhorrence, I don't know if I have even pronounced any of that correctly. Was any of that English? I have no idea. <laughs> I will, I'll figure that out when I get into recording, but before you <laughs> no, listen back, yeah, yeah. I listened back. and I'm going. Is that Klingon? Uh, so when we, or before you go on that tour, um, obviously given that you've been on tour before, what it that if you could give at least one piece of advice to any aspiring touring musicians listening right now, what would that be for before they even plan out a tour?
2: Um, well, I, I always go on tour with a. With a you don't want to suffer. Don't rely on your tour. So bring like a couple hundred bucks for like meal allowance and try to be fairly strict and regimented for that. Um, and then bring like, we have a list which uh, my friend Josh McMoran from of Dawn, who we toured with in the past, he gave me a, like a list of a bunch of items to bring on tour. So like just, just helpful things like bring your own table just in, ca- just in case, like a folding table. Some venues don't have that. Uh, always have cash box. Two cash boxes never hurt. Um what else? Like obviously bring like your all your shower stuff. Flip-flops. You need flip-flops. The first tour we went on, I didn't bring flip-flops. And uh you don't want to walk in like so, like maybe one in six venues has a shower. Mm-hmm. But when you're blessed with a shower, you probably don't want to walk on the floor. So you definitely and like truck stops, you don't want to walk. Flip flops are a must. Flip flops are, are very a clear. must for so yeah. meal allowance and flip flops. Yeah, don't I don't know if you can live off McDonald's, go ahead. But like I have, I have dietary issues and shit, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm bringing 500 for me. I'm bringing 500 for a week and a half. Normal person bring 200 bucks. Yeah, for, I don't know. You want to bring some money. Like if you don't spend it all, you don't spend it all. But yeah, you, uh, you don't want to suffer.
0: Exactly. Yeah. All right. And uh, last question before we head out to this most important one. If you could be any cereal box character, who would you be?
2: <laughs> um, oh, geez. What's the guy from uh, Captain Crunch? Yeah. You know why? Because he reminds me of Joseph Sam.
0: Fuck Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Exactly. That's the way to do it.
2: All right. I love you, Sam. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Brett's sex.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, Brett McIntosh. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Awakening Abhorrence you. in the Atlantic is uh, coming up pretty soon. The tour is last for a couple weeks, starting May 11th in Hamilton, ending in New Brunswick on the 21st. Brett, is there anything you would like to promote as well? before before we head out anything else you'd uh, like to talk about
2: well we're playing a couple dates with our friends in uh raider and eaten by sharks the raiders album is coming out great uh, for them so you know pick up their album as well at our shows that we're playing with them mm. um they're playing the hamilton show so i hope, hope we can maybe see you at the hamilton show and uh yeah uh, it's gonna be a sick tour Um, I don't really have too much to promote on our end. Like I said, we're going to have some new shirts. Unfortunately, we don't have any new tunes to share with you um, online yet, but uh, they're coming in hot. So,
0: (laughs) I can't fucking wait for that. I don't think anybody else can either. Brett, thank you so much once again for coming on the show. I appreciate your time.
2: Thank you very much, Tom.
0: That was Brett McIntosh of APOC. The tour wrapped up a bit ago, but if you ever, ever get the chance to check them out live, I highly recommend it. If they're going to where you are, or if you're happy to make a quick five day trip, go to it. I swear to God, they put on a hell of a live show. I've seen them before. Go do it. And who knows? By that point, maybe they've got some new music on the horizon by that point. Maybe they've got something that's going to be out around that time. No news on that as of recording, but I'll keep my ear to the ground on that one. And, you know, if they do some release something once promotion starts, maybe I'll be able to get them back on to talk about that and the tour with Carrion and Vale. Who knows? Could be cool.
2: You just listened to it.
0: Alright, enough of that. Let's start making our way to the doors. But before we go, let me set you up for what's coming up in the next episode. Augment returns. The connection thing turns out it just might have been a phase of the galaxy thing. I don't fucking know, but they'll be back anyways. Plus, we get some more reviews and so much more. All of this in the next episode. In the meantime, thanks for listening to the Metal Robot Podcast. You can follow the show on the internet, YouTube, Metal Robot Reviews, Facebook, and Twitter at The Metal Robot, Instagram at The Metal Robot. You can also check out our online Online Central Hub, TheMetalRobot.com for all things Metal Robot and to find out how to get your music on the show. Special thanks to APOC, Augment for coming on the show and of course to you, the beautiful Metal Robot listeners, for tuning in whenever a new episode eventually comes out. I'm Tom McKay. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts and I'll see you in the mosh pit next time. Have a good night.